In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Glad to have you on the Retirement Pathfinder. I'm Ben George alongside Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. They are retirement income planning specialists. You'll find them over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. You'll find them online at pathfinderwealth.com. Welcome in. How are you? Great. Oh, we're doing fantastic, Ben. Fantastic. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you both again. I um, always like checking in with uh, with you both. I know we'll get a farm update probably on our next episode of the podcast. Is I know we have always have people asking about the farm, but Barbara, you had, a, you had an update for us, uh, a little family story. Oh, I do. It's a grandparents bragging story. So <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> mm. So my granddaughter, she's a little over two, and uh, she had just graduated in swimming class to the next level. Awesome. So not, now, now she gets to wear, as she calls them, her sunglasses and hat, which is which is her really her, her <laughs> goggles and her cap, right? And so, um, but it's kind of funny because I look at when my daughter first started bringing her back in February, so six months ago, she screamed when she first got in the water, and she clung to my daughter, and now she hardly waits for the instructor, and she's jumping in the water, and <laughs> you know, you, you just look at how fast they grow, and and I look at some of the pictures from last August when she was a little over a year old to this August, you know, a little over two, and. It's like, you know, all the things that she couldn't do then, still a little baby. And now she's like this little person, you know. So, um, but yeah, that was a, that I just wanted to um, give you a good laugh because she, she uh, thought she was big stuff graduating there. And, and I just feel blessed that my daughter lives in such close proximity. I can really see mm. her anytime I want, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, I'm glad you share that because I'll really connect with those stories because my daughter is just a little bit younger than your granddaughter. So, like everything that you're experiencing, I'm experiencing firsthand right now, including the swimming. I'm trying. We we're, we're on the waiting list right now to a place to get the swimming lessons done. But we um, just a few weeks back took my daughter to the to a pool for the first time uh, with some family, and and she loved it. She was by the, by the end of the day, she was like trying to jump in from off the edge of the pool. Um, so we're, we're excited and ecstatic that she's comfortable in the water and loves being around the water, but now we just got to make sure she's safe in the water. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. Put them in those little donuts and they like to, they just like to float around and exactly. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, that's an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Barbara. And also had a little bit of news too on the podcast and a couple episodes from now, uh, September 23rd, if you are listening to this as they're released, but if not a couple episodes from this one, we'll have a guest speaker. Oh, we are. Yes. Yeah. So all the listeners, you want to mark your calendar for September 23rd. We're going to have a uh, local attorney's office, uh, two attorneys from that office come and talk um, about a couple topics. So we're going to, we're going to have them talk about discussing the need for a basic estate plan. So if you have a will or you don't have a will and you're thinking about a revocable living trust, they'll, they'll, they'll address those issues. But very importantly, how the new non-spouse beneficiary changes will affect your IRA when you pass. They eliminated the stretch last year for a 10-year payout, but that, that's very important, especially if you have sizable IRAs and what happens to those when your kids inherit them uh, regarding taxes. So you'll want to stay tuned, which again is a podcast on September 23rd. Yeah, that's going to be great. So uh, go ahead. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do that. You don't want to miss that conversation. It'll be very good. Um, something that hopefully you've been thinking about already, but if not, we'll kind of really break it down with, with some experts on that topic. So that's great. Uh, Phil, what do you have for us before we get into our main topic today? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, an issue that has come up in the media here recently, and uh, it's a pretty serious one. 
there really is a war of ideas with regard to economics going on in this country, Ben, and it's very disturbing. And uh, it is surprising to see how many of our citizens really would um, agree with the concept of socialism versus capitalism. Uh, this is very frightening to see uh, what is what is happening here and to, to see people's different perspectives on this. And so I uh, grabbed an article here from First Trust, um, you know, our, uh, our main uh, chief economist over there, Brian Westbury, and I want to read a couple of different um, descriptions of this war going on. Okay. And yeah, and it's it's only a couple of paragraphs long, but I think it's important for our listeners to be aware and yeah. not only be aware, but also to stand firm with regard to our capitalistic system in this particular country. Not perfect, but it is um, far and ahead of anything else in, in the world. And uh, Brian says this, he says, the history of the world has been a battle between two competing ideologies of how resources should be distributed, capitalism and socialism. Capitalism distributes resources to the most productive use through markets and competition, while at the same time putting brakes on greed and selfishness. In order to accumulate resources in a capitalistic system, you must provide goods or services for which someone else is willing to pay. If your cost of production is greater than what the market is willing to pay, you will not create much wealth. Or if a competitor can provide the equivalent or better, for a lower price, you will lose market share and therefore your wealth. As a result, while it may be true that some people in a capitalistic system become extremely wealthy, they do it by creating goods or services that people want in a way that competitors have a difficult time copying. And so it's very important to understand that this is a supply and demand economy. That's what capitalism is all about. And uh, it finds its own way to wealth. If you provide services and, and goods that um, people want, well, then you are going to be rewarded handsomely for that. Conversely, under socialism, on the other hand, politicians distribute resources. How about that? They tax individuals who have been able to create the income and wealth and then transfer those resources to their favored groups or causes, often while shutting down competition. Governments do not create wealth. They spend it. Just to be clear, capitalism does not mean zero government, and it does not mean anarchy. These are things that government can do and benefit all citizens by, uh, without redistributing wealth or income. Uh, such things as public safety, we, you know, we need the government to do these things. Public safety, protect uh, the citizens, police and fire, uh, electronic grids, courts, sanitation, and national defense are certain examples. This government spending can generate huge benefits. Unlike in the United States, no one has built a $1 billion paper mill in Afghanistan. Why? It wouldn't last long under the rules of the Taliban. So we have to understand what the issues here are at hand. And, and there are huge threats against our capitalistic system in this country. Uh, and even some of the more conservative members of Congress have agreed with um, some of the socialistic values. And so that's, that's disturbing to see. And I just wanted to make our, our listeners aware of that. And it's important for them to uh, weigh in on this and try to get with their particular uh, local representation to uh, to make sure that we're, we're heading in the right direction toward a capitalistic society again. You know, I think what it is is people just don't know, Phil. I think, you know, that people, many people that uh, think they want, that think they want socialism, they look at capitalism as greedy. Well, they do. And, and I think that, you know, the old saying goes that, you know, it's hard to vote against Santa Claus. Yeah. So when, you know, when people get... <laughs> You know, when people are given things free, as they have over last year, then uh, they want to continue that particular uh, free ride. But it's going to somebody's going to have to pay for it eventually. And uh, and that's where we may be in big trouble as time goes on. Why do you think people are fleeing Cuba and Afghanistan and 
Well, yeah, I mean, socialism has never worked in any country that no. we've seen. Uh, we're talking about pure socialism, you know, so mm-hmm. that's uh, it's a very important thing to, to basically define. So we can do something by, by <clears throat> as citizens, taxpaying citizens, by becoming more informed. You know, our church leaders, mm-hmm. church leaders need to step up. And also, um, you know, let our representatives, our, our, our paid local representatives, our governments know that, no, this is, this is not what we the people want. Right. You know, we, we, I think we have to do something because we're, we're in it for a fight here. It I is. I truly it, believe that. It's a battle. It's a battle of ideas. And uh, so uh, let's get back to the basics, right? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing that we're even having to have that conversation, but it's, yeah. it's kind of where we are right now. And I think it's important to bring it up. And, and, you know, I think you guys do a really good job of, of uh, bringing up very topical things that, that need to be discussed. We did it last year with the, the tax uh, proposals that were out there and some other things. Mm-hmm. So just bringing that attention to people, hopefully can kind of spur them into action a little bit, but I do appreciate that as well, uh, Phil, but let's transition mm-hmm. into what we want to talk about today. And, and that's learning more about you two. Uh, what makes advisors tick, right? I mean, we, we hear from you guys every week. You provide us a ton of great information, educate us in, on financial planning and retirement planning. But I want to learn more about the financial advisor side and, and, and kind of your background a little bit and, and how you got to this point. So I've got a few questions for you, and I think it'll be, it'll, it'll be good to kind of get a look behind the curtain a little bit for, for you too. So you know, I know that for all of us, our upbringing really kind of influences the way we look at money and, and, and wealth and that sort of thing. Who were the people in your, your lives that were influential and helped kind of shape the way you view money? And, and what lessons did you learn? Yeah, I'll start out with that one, Ben. Uh, I wish I could say that was my parents that helped me understand how money worked and, and kind of motivated me to get into this particular profession. But being a child of the 60s, there were two things that we never encouraged, we're never encouraged to discuss in our household. Oh, I know ben, what one is. Yeah, well, Ben, Ben, do you know what those two things were? Well, money is one of them. Okay, yep. and we won't discuss the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we know, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the money thing, uh, you know, that was taboo, verboten. You know, polite people don't uh, discuss incomes or how much dad makes. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, you know, the finan- there were no financial planners. And if you needed help, you would, uh, you know, call, call your lo- local stockbroker if you wanted to buy stocks, and he would sell you stocks and make you broker. That's why they called him a stockbroker. <laughs> the <laughs> other places you could invest in would be a bank and CDs or uh, passbook savings. And of course, you could buy cash value life insurance. But really, when I was growing up, uh, Ben and Barb, the emphasis wasn't on really investing for the long term. It was really how to earn an income successfully uh, and be able to you know, make your bills, uh, make a living to provide for your, your basic needs and your family. That was the biggest concern. And the biggest investment, the single biggest investment was really your house for most people. So the prevailing attitude in those days was to you know, work for a big company so you could earn a living and, and get a pension. Well, when I graduated from college, went into the service, you know, I was ill-prepared for really saving for the future. The whole idea was to you know, go 20 years in the military, get a good pension, and, uh, and get half the pay that you had trouble living on to begin with in retirement. will take care of you. Yeah. And then, of course, Social Security down the road. But then I had the fortune of uh, coming under the, the tutelage of, a, of my boss, Major Carter, who I've mentioned before. And this man loved how money worked. He loved to invest in the stock market. He wasn't a gambler, but he prudently and wisely invested. And he really pounded into me the, my, my two big important rules of investing. And the first thing he said is that, you know, out of every dollar that you make, part of it is yours to keep. And in order to keep it, you've got to pay yourself first. 
So those are the two roles that really set me on my path early on in my career. I started saving $50 a month, which was 10% of my income at that point. And I never stopped. I kept on going forward. And uh, I know by experience, Ben, that anyone who is disciplined enough to pay themselves first and then to guard that money carefully can accomplish any financial goal they set out to do. Yeah, I, I, um, I certainly would have to agree with that, Phil. I was thinking of uh, the most influential person in my life, and it actually was my mom. She taught me to be frugal and, and mm-hmm. stretch the dollar. There was one income in the family. My father worked, and then uh, there, she was a stay-at-home mom, and, and there were seven kids. But she told me to always set aside money and save some money from my paycheck. And then uh, she also said, you know, you have those defining moments in life. She also right. said, I, if I wanted some of the things that I wanted that she's not going to be able to provide for, I would have to work for them. So I just remember that I wanted a pair of guest jeans at the time. And so I listened to her. Mm. I had I went and got a babysitting job after school at the age of 12. And then I started working at my dad's clothing company at the age of 15. I don't even think that you had to have a worker's permit back then. But I was paid $1.75 an hour. And I thought how awesome it would be to make $100 a week someday. But I have saved throughout my career. And I'm sure I will even when I retire. I think there's an old saying that goes, once a saver, always a mm, saver. Mm-hmm. So I tell my daughter the same thing, too, that you can never save too much money. And, and I tell her this regularly. That's great. Those are growth, both great stories. And we all can kind of think back on, you know, who had the impact and, and kind of when things started to click a little bit for us. But what actually took you into the financial business itself? It's one thing to kind of learn about money, but then it's another thing to actually apply that and, and help others with it. Yeah, you know, um, I, I can uh, first answer that one too, Ben. For me, it was the natural progression from the accounting side of business that I was in for about 25 years. And back in 1998, I had a relative that talked to me about financial services and how they thought it might be a good fit for me. So as, as I was looking into the field, I realized that that would be a great opportunity to help others with a financial plan for their family, one that my family didn't have. Because with both parents dying young and no plan, I just felt that this is a great next step field to move into and help others. You know, you kind of look back and think you can't help but what you uh, think about what your life may have looked like had there been a plan in place for our family. So here I am 23 years later, and I still, I still enjoy seeing and helping people to prepare a plan. Most people we see have no plan at all in retirement. And like my parents, if I can help them avoid the things that might happen, in life, then you truly know that you've helped a family. Yeah, for myself, Ben, I, uh, uh, after I left the military, I went to work for a big company, which I won't name, but its initials are GM. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that was during the years of the, uh, of the auto wars with the Japanese. And so uh, after you're working for them, uh, I was, you know, the old, uh, I was a victim of the old philosophy of last hired, first fired. And I was looking for something to do. And one of the things I liked about growing up in my household, my parents had their own business. And so I saw the benefits of, of business ownership. I saw the, the freedom they had, the opportunities they had available to them uh, and for their children. Uh, I also saw the challenges that a business owner would experience. And uh, to me, it really emphasized what the, what the true American dream was all about, freedom. Freedom to do what you want to do, go out there and make as much money as you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so after I got left, let go from uh, General Motors, I thought to myself, well, you know what? Uh, here we have a, a wife and two kids and a mortgage. I better get out there and make some money real quick. I didn't like the idea of going on unemployment. But, you know, I really considered, um, and I think my family considered more than anything, that, that this particular dismissal from General Motors was really a, a terrible misfortune and even a failure on my part. You know, uh, 
And some even suggest I go back in the military because uh, they couldn't see me making it successfully in business on my own. But, you know, I drew upon my Christian faith and, and saw this as an open door for me to do what I really had a passion for, which was to help others understand how money works and achieve their financial goals. And those are some of the things I learned way back uh, in the military. Well, you know, fast forward, I determined that, uh, you know, in working for the big companies after I came into the business that I couldn't convince them to think the way I thought in terms of, of the fiduciary, what we call the fiduciary standard. Uh, I decided to become independent. So in 1996, I started Pathfinder Wealth Management with an emphasis on education and following what we call the golden rule. Uh, do unto others as you'd have yep. them do unto you. And that has really become a fiduciary standard and approach for us. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, when I think about clients asking us, well, when are you going to retire, Phil and Barb? And, yeah. you know, we Phil, Phil did actually uh, retire, so-called retire a few years back and came in a couple times a week that, you know, part-time, if you will, for about a year. And then here he is back in the business in the trenches with us every day. And, and I mean, I, I like my clients. So for me to fully retire from this business, I haven't really given much thought to either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, great stuff. And I'm kind of curious over the time that you, know, you both have a lot of years experience in this, in this industry and you worked with a lot of people and you've seen a lot of things in the planning process. What are uh, maybe the frustrations with the way people work inside the retirement and plan for the retirement that you wish you could just take a wand, wave it and fix it completely? Yeah, I think frustrations, uh, you know, of course, it, it goes along with anything we do. You do have a, a few down cycles or bad days or whatever, but frustrations to me really deal more with seeing uh, people fail in their attempts to uh, achieve wealth or achieve financial independence. And, and I think my biggest frustration is the way people plan their retirement is that they don't plan their retirement. <laughs> uh, they just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. They put money away into a 401k plan, which is easy to do but they really have no direction or uh, goal as to how much they need to have accumulated. And then once they get there, once they get to retirement, Ben, there's no post-retirement plan either. Uh, they don't know right. how to set up the accounts in such a way that it meets expenses. They don't uh, know how to, to meet the uh, health care uh, expenses all need, and it's, it's pretty costly. Uh, they don't have money set aside for re- you know, emergencies and so forth. And so that seat of, a pr- uh, seat of, of the pants approach is really it's sad. It's sad to see people that didn't prepare for the train of retirement coming their direction, if you think, if you think about it, uh, and it, it'll just run them over. And so there's a high percentage of people in this country that really are not prepared. And it's not because they don't desire to, to prepare, it's just they don't know how. My second biggest frustration is to see clients who have a perfectly good financial plan that we put together for them, but for some odd reason, maybe they're listening to negative news from friends or relatives, or they get spooked by the media, but they get spooked out of their investments because they bought into a false narrative being put out there by others, either the financial media or their friends. And that's terrible. It's really terrible to see because, and I've seen this happen several times Mm -hmm. and uh, they destroy their opportunity for uh, real security for the future when that happens. Yeah. Listening to friends and relatives, that's a big mistake. It it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, if I had to f- sum it up in one word, Phil, I'd say the same. It's preparedness. Yes. You know, it's the old saying, as the old saying goes, you know, people don't know what they don't know. Right. So during your working years, you're busy saving and working and you're, you know, plowing money away into your 401k and you can't access it anyways. But five years before you retire, you'll need to know at some point um, what are some of the important things pertaining to retirement. Most people don't know about tax savings, 
Nobody's going to know, nobody, no one that comes in to see us knows how long their money will last. What do you do with your estate once you're gone? I don't think I've found anybody who has been able to tell us anything about how long their money will last. No. I, I don't think anybody's been able to show us that. No. No, you ask them yeah. the question, they, they, they simply don't know. Or, how, you know, how do, how do I even take money out of yeah. these accounts? Yeah, you know? right, right. And how does it work if I go into a nursing home situation? So um, what I would say is set up a time to talk to us for 15 minutes at pathfinderchat.com. And we can go over all the areas you need to plan for in retirement. Even if you have a financial advisor, you should reach out to us. There just may be an area that your financial advisor hasn't discussed with you. I mean, it's always great to hear, you know, you working through those frustrations. And I'm sure that's probably one of the the best parts about the job is helping somebody get back on track that maybe has gone off track or has done something wrong early on, maybe in their life saving or whatever it is. But is that actually the most gratifying thing is is actually seeing them through the process? Is there something else that you really enjoy? Well, I tell you what, what I find enjoyable, and that's clients that leave the office and they're grateful for having met you and they tell you that. Mm. Now, we have good relationships, I would say, for the most part at Pathfinder with our clients. So we're grateful for that. And as a matter of fact, on August 28th, we are going to be having our first uh, client brunch we have at a local restaurant here called Stockholm Inn. And we have not had any at all last year. And I think, Phil, we're coming up on two years, actually, mm-hmm. um, since we've had one. And so I was meeting with a client the other day and she was glad she got the card in the mail because we, we have good attendance at these and, and we're, we're happy to see our clients. They like to come to these. They like to come to these events. But uh, my favorite story is about a couple that retired and they're both educators. So the wife was working part time at the school, but she worked because she thought she had to for the income. So then when we went over their plan, I took out her income and I had to show her that they will be fine in retirement without it. Well, she was finally convinced, and when she realized it, she started crying. So that's what—that's uh, when you realize that people really do need you. So for several years after that, when we met at review time, she would always tell me that I gave her the confidence to retire. So I, awesome. I would have to say I really like creating a retirement plan for people. Then there are no surprises. We review every year because a plan isn't static. People's lives change. It's important to review and adapt. And you also know what's going on in your clients' lives, which I think is important as they're aging. What has been the most gratifying thing uh, from my standpoint, Ben, has been to see what has happened for our clients who have stayed with us and followed the plans and the instructions we've given. You know, when I got involved with the business 40 years ago, uh, I promoted investing to my clients. And in those particular years in the business, you know, that particular uh, recommendation was really based on faith. I had not any idea whether these investments would work out or not. Uh, I sincerely hoped and prayed and believed that the stock market would deliver. I really did because I didn't have any personal experience. But now, mm-hmm. all these years later, it is so gratifying and fulfilling to see our clients' goals and dreams fulfilled because I've seen what's actually happened when uh, these particular strategies are employed. And I know that uh, if you invest properly, the stock market is the greatest wealth creator known to mankind, bar none. Yeah, and if you think, think about it too, these people are retiring 60s, 60-ish, yep. some are in their 90s, and these investment portfolios have given them income every month, and their accounts are still growing. It is quite amazing when it you is. look at uh, a really long-term client. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all great stuff. I, I, I'm glad you guys are uh, willing to share and, and kind of talk through the process and kind of how you got to this point. Because I know a lot of people listen to the show and and probably don't know a whole lot about how you got into it to, to begin with. So 
I do uh, thank you both for sharing today on the sure. podcast. And, uh, Absolutely. And I encourage anyone that, that hasn't subscribed to the show to please do so, um, especially with a special guest coming up in a couple episodes. So you'll want to subscribe so you'll get that delivered to you. You, you won't miss a single conversation we have. We'll try to keep you up to date on other topical things uh, that are happening in both around the community, but also uh, nationally as well. So we'll do that here on the show. Barbara and Phil, as always, we appreciate it um, and uh, look forward to talking to you again in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for your info, listeners, and keep the questions coming. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.